Welcome back to the basement, everyone. Uh, you are now tuned in to Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, deciding to spend another hour with us this week as we say inane and sometimes offensive things about the music we love. Um, to our new listeners, just get comfortable, man. Everybody down here is cool. It's all good. Returning listeners, you know where everything is. Uh, I think we're going to get started pretty quickly, so you know, just chill sit down relax um this week we're going to be talking about two new albums from two big bands the first one uh is the new wilco album entitled star wars which is the best cover of any album of all time uh which you just take a look at it and you'll understand why we were literally in the middle of taping our podcast last week when they released this album for free on the internet unannounced uh came out in itunes on their website uh so we've had a few days to sort of soak that in Invited Patrick down to the basement, a self-described uh, Wilco super fan, and our friend Carrie has been gone for a little while, but she's back uh, for this. And you know, I as I said, Patrick is a super fan. I also used to be a Wilco super fan, maybe still am. I don't know. Sort of sh- skidded away from the flock, maybe a little bit over the years. This one, uh, I don't know. It's you, you're going to hear share a lot of thoughts about it, but uh, I'll tell you, it's. Might, might steer me back into into the fold there. Uh, the other album we're going to be talking about, like I said, is is Tim Paula's Currents. Tim Paula started out as a um, as more of a stoner rock band, and uh, you know we, we covered them back at the Black Cat on their uh, Inner Speaker tour, and it was sort of hilarious. Had the little um, laser light show you could go see in high school that synced up to Pink Floyd or or Leonard Skinner uh, showing behind him. Uh, they have evolved into a, uh, a festival headlining act. Uh, and as they have done so, their sound has evolved from that early type of sort of basement stoner rock uh, to now we are sort of looking at a BG apocalypse. They are aping sounds of the, uh, the dancey 70s, the disco, and working all that into them. So I'm going to be talking about that, see how... Uh, See how we all feel about that. See uh, see how many pairs of roller skates we might need to break out. Uh, also, this week, we're going to be featuring a great new track from a great band from North Carolina. Uh, the name of the band is Seagulls. Uh, the name of the track is long gone off their uh, recently released EP, You Can't See Me. Uh, we There's an accompanying video that we're going to put in the show notes, but uh, the, you know, the video, the track, they're, they're all... They're all awesome. Uh, their album was produced by Mitch Easter. Yeah, we'll have a little more background. You'll talk about it. But uh, uh, great new band. Hope they can get up to D.C. soon enough. Or I guess I could just go down to North Carolina. I like it down there. Um, so that's going to be your podcast for this week. Uh, with that said, I think we're at the end of this intro here. So uh, let's get going. Uh, here you go. This is episode number 126 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're reviewing new albums from Wilco, Tame Impala, and giving you a hot new track from North Carolina Seagulls. Here you go. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. Oh, the old record of the doing this method. That right there is a logical power.
The whole great. thing is just the balls. Um, you guys ready? So fantastic. Yep. <clears throat> Carrie, welcome back to the basement. Thank you, you very much. I'm very here. glad to be in the basement. You have been here in a while, but not on a microphone in right, a while. Right, right. Been, I've been to several social gatherings. Social gatherings. That involve music, but not wait, on... Uh, wait, I thought you said you were recording her when she was here. Secretly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shh. Oh. <laughs> quiet, quiet. Patrick, welcome back. Uh, after your disastrous take on Casey Musgraves, yes, so you yes. can show your face here on yes, the podcast. I'm ready. I'm not afraid. <laughs> not afraid. Um, this is, uh, we're actually like knocking these out pretty quick, so uh, if you remember... On the last podcast where we were talking about Holy Shit, a Wilco album drop. We're going to be talking about that. Which we found out minutes mid, before we Mid podcast. Yeah, mid podcast. It, it was actually right in the middle of what we were doing. Yeah. So uh, Six o'clock on a Thursday. <laughs> it was literally, we're sitting there like, what the fuck is, is even going on? And it was like a Twitter feed. Hey, guys. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> so we just did. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about that uh, first. We're also going to talk about uh, Tame Impala. Uh, came out with a new album. They did not secretly release it. It's been planned. It's been coming for a while. Uh, I think some reviews were even written a year before it was released. So who knows? <laughs> before we get to that, though, uh, I want to talk about a uh, an article that showed up on a, on a site called Headstuff.org. It's written by uh, Louise uh, Bruton. I apologize if I mispronounce your name, Louise. Um the name of the article is If Male Musicians Were Described the Same Way as Female Musicians. We're going to put a link into the show notes. Uh, I just, like, sort of passed this off to you guys. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a very funny idea. I think they definitely could have even gone way farther with this, given well, some of the ludicrousness that is out there as quote journalism regarding female artists and, and basically what it entails is is, is there is a uh, uh a difference for sure in the entertainment industry on how uh people write about male artists versus how people write about female artists you know male artists it tends to be all about your integrity and whatnot and this this and this and female artists and they don't talk about your waist size or your age they don't they don't talk about that and they also don't say things like uh, which uh, he wrote himself, right? Which is or who uh, you used to which, date, which do, huh? <laughs> or, or who you used to or date. who you used to date? Um, it 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 definitely is is poking at an important point. I would honestly, uh, well, let me read one of these for you. Uh, this is actually two of them. The right up top of them says the doe-eyed hosier. 25 takes to the stage clad all in black and before he begins the chart burning take me to church that he wrote himself he peers out under his mane of luscious beach hair to take in the crowd and smiles quietly to himself <laughs> next one the raven-haired dave Grohl has a smile that goes on for miles shows his humorous side on stage as he fires off jokes that are seemingly off the cuff the jokes abruptly stop, so you can focus before ripping into breakout. And who could be the subject of that song? Yeah, the the in reading through it, what I note is that they have every single male's age in here, and yeah. it's one of those things where I'm looking through it and I'm like, oh, I had no idea Eddie Vedder was fifty uh, <laughs> because I've never seen his age in any article that I've read about him. But every I know how old every single female artist mm -hmm. is because it's shoved down your throat every time they talk about him. Is this? Um Blatant, uh, the picture of Bruce Springsteen is fucking. <laughs> He's brilliant. Um, is this blatant? Just like uh, 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 across the board, like sexism in like entertainment reporting or whatnot, or is it just more indicative of just like entertainment 
reporting? What do you think? I think it's all reporting. You? I mean, it's it's business reporting. They Whenever you're talking about like a woman CEO, they have to get into mm-hmm. her home life and how many kids she has and how much time she spends with her family. Whereas you never see that shit with a man. And why would you care? Apparently people do because they keep printing it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's universal. I don't think it's just solely related to the entertainment field. I'm going to try not to let this get too highfalutin. So if you take... (laughs) These small words, I'm a girl, I don't understand much. Exactly. Don't mansplain it. What is your age? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) If you take like a film studies class, like a film studies 101 class, they usually have a section on like the male gaze in cinema. Mm -hmm. And there's a female filmmaker. I want to say her name is Maya Lin, but that's not right. Um... Do you want to say it, but you would also be wrong. I'm wrong. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of this very brilliant uh, filmmaker is. But but she did she did all these explorations with these shorter films about what it would be like for it to be reversed and how to sort of deconstruct the male gaze in cinema. I mean, it happens in every art form, and yeah. it happens in many media forms. And you know the the one percent of the pop- population that knows the f- name of the filmmaker that I'm let's be honest the 001 percent of the population that knows the name of the <laughs> right, filmmaker right, I'm right. talking about are not the people writing the articles for Rolling Stone or Entertainment Weekly or whoever right. so that's one thing that comes to mind is that this is just unfortunately like par for the course with mainstream media and how we treat uh, pop culture in this country the second thing I was thinking of is you know in High Fidelity when they go to see Lisa Bonet's character play yeah and of course, John Cusack ends up sleeping with her. Yeah, like this is the same syndrome. Like it, it she's not only like a, a good musician, but she's attractive in that movie, and mm-hmm. he wants to sleep with her. And so that's part of the buy-in for him as a rock snob to make that work for whatever reason. And right. So again, that's sort of ingrained in at least the older forms of rock criticism. And then the last thing I'll say is I remember being twenty-one or twenty-two and reading a. Oh, Esquire or some magazine interview with um, Emmylou Harris, who's just phenomenally talented, legend. And of course, the, you know, probably 30-something male writer just spends all this time like fawning over her, how beautiful her silver locks are and this and that. And, <laughs> you know, she's like 50 or 60. I don't know how old she was at the time, but um, just going on and on about how great she looks and how beautiful she is. And she she's is so beautiful she's for stunning. her age. She's stunning. But like, <laughs> so, but, but the point is, you know, it, it, I don't think this is news. I don't, not news. I, it's certainly newsworthy, uh, but it's, I don't think that there's much to be surprised at. I mean, I guess my question is the description you're reading of, Do- of Hozier. I mm-hmm. almost called him Dozier. Yeah. Um, what I'm starting to wonder about as I get, smarter about the idea I think it's more pronounced in culture that women are actually interested in men I'll give you an example not men but men being in better shape for mm-hmm. example Magic Mike 2 okay I know <laughs> I know people I know, women, Daria. I, know, I know women who like are hot, you know yeah very accomplished who, people who were like we're going out for cocktails and we're going to Magic Mike 2 yeah and they were very happy about it which 10, 20, however many years ago, people wouldn't have said stuff like that, and that might not have happened. And so maybe we're getting to a point where it starts to break the other way a little bit, and maybe that's, I don't know if it's good or bad. But I'm not saying this is the same thing, but I think there's something going on. So my question, and I'll shut up in a minute, is for the Hozier description, if that were the description that were written about Hozier, are there people who would be excited to read that? Yeah, and and actually, that's what, I mean, this, this is a... 
This will come. I, I I just off the cuff, just for anybody listening. I said let's talk about this, but now I realize we just stepped in it. Yeah. So so we got to talk about this. Here's the thing: is is uh, entertainment is uh, arguably like sexy and stuff. So how do you remove like the sexy from stuff and 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 or still have the sexy in it, but not be sexist? Well, but but the thing is, is that when you look at how performers perform on stage, the the younger women performers all are up there and it's not just mm-hmm. I'm up here singing it is also a dance routine and costume changes and the men too for that the men too but not to the same extent right not anywhere near to the same extent there are you know absurd amounts of costume changes in just your standard pop um, concert now but the other thing that what you were talking about Lisa, the Lisa Bonet issue is it goes to something deeper in that you know like male artists are expected to sleep with everybody and everybody's mm-hmm. kind of like oh ha ha that's the rock lifestyle but later in this article is talking about Ellie Goulding um sleeping with you know one guy when she was supposed to be dating Ed Sheeran right she got like oh she's a slut oh she's a this she's yeah, she's yeah, loose yeah, and yeah. she's terrible and it's like if a woman artist acts that way, you know, people mock Taylor Smith, uh, Swift for how many boyfriends she's had. <laughs> Who's Taylor Smith? Taylor Smith. <laughs> I've blocked her from my mind. It's like Chris Gaines. It's her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, Taylor Swift gets gets made fun of for all the different boyfriends that mm-hmm. she's had. But then it, there's also this this su- supposedly, the supposed, you know, purity to her that she's not sleeping with all of them. She's just dating all of them. Sure. <laughs> but it's sure. like, right. okay, but then you've got John Mayer fucking everybody. Yeah. And that's just John Mayer. But if, but yeah, if. Yeah, but can't we all agree John that Mayer John Mayer fucked us. I mean, come on. Can't we all just agree that John Mayer's gross? <laughs> He's a There's damn a fine blues. Lot of people, blues, <laughs> a lot of people who would disagree, but nobody questions the fact that he's slept with seven thousand people, and, right. and also Gus. Alleg- allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Just so we no, I think he trouble. would say that. Oh. I mean, it's but it's it is such a oh, it's a double standard. Of course, it's a double standard, but it's, you've also got women artists kind of you know they're agreeing to be photographed on for the cover of Rolling right, Stone right. in basically their underpants. Whereas, you know, everybody else other than Adam Levine actually has clothes on. Adam Levine, actually, they do have all of his photos half naked because he, why wouldn't they? But, um. Right, but that's my point is that that if, like, it's not like, again, sex sells. It it just does. That's that's our society. It sells. What? Yeah, and, (laughs) and it goes both ways. And. Uh, men and women are objectified. There is a problem on the balance of that, for sure. Um, but how do you get that out of the reporting, or, and do you want to? I mean, this is um, – any of these could be – honestly, they could be on Pitchfork, Consequence of Sound. They're like, the reason this article is spot on is because it's what people are – how people are reviewing albums. Right. Uh, right. And – you it's know, all about the background. So you're, and what's you're going supposed on. to be I talking do, about. I do Bikram yoga. <laughs> you're supposed to be talking about a piece of art and stuff. And in an interview, I think that's okay. Like I do Bikram yoga. I do this. You're trying to get. I mean, an artist has to put themselves out there in a way that makes them uh, like you get to know them better. And then supposedly you'll buy their product. Then they're like, oh, they're just like me. And then they do Bikram yoga. But like, how do you how do you, how do you get this the- out? I just want to make sure that everybody reads the article all the way through and gets to the one on Prince because it's beautiful. Yes, yes, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I don't know that you get past it. I don't know that you get through it. 
I mean, it's the same as, oh, we need to have a national conversation on race. You can talk about it till you're blue in the face, but this yeah. is just how shit is, you know? Well, maybe it's breaking the other way a little bit more than it was before. But there is still the problem of, you know, like, um, what was the Robert Rodriguez movie that came out that... Um, not it was the 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 Frank Spy Miller Spy Kids one. one two and three no the Frank Sin Miller City. one Sin City remember the Rolling Stone cover for that movie like sure th- that was you know yeah that was softcore pornography basically yeah. and like I'm sure if Robert Rodriguez were on the cover of Rolling Stone it would be first of all it wouldn't sell very well but second of all <laughs> like he wouldn't be wearing you know a, a leather bustier and and whatnot right uh, or anything like that uh, so I think it you know maybe it's turning a little bit as we figure out how to get smarter about things like gender and and women are more comfortable talking about what they want to see physically from a man as part of like how they view a movie or pop Mm -hmm. culture maybe but like it's that's a small segment of the population and the fact of the matter is like most people who sell magazines and TV still think a very specific way. But you as a, And like it is swallowed just, a very specific way by the country. Right, and but you just jokingly in like a throwaway comment pinned it, which is he wouldn't be dressed like that, but it wouldn't sell very much. So, And then right. you just went right on because right. that's true. That's true. And because as Kevin, in a groundbreaking statement, just pointed out, sex sells. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, maybe if Robert Rodriguez was, you know, looked like Channing Tatum, then maybe it would, <laughs> or Adam you could put the director on the cover of Rolling Stone and whatever. But but he'd be in an Armani suit. He wouldn't be in his no, underpants. Oh, he's on a lot of magazines without a shirt on right now. I'm just saying in general. It's... Yeah. No, I agree. Generally, that would be the way. Yeah. You're talking about Channing, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Like, Tatum yeah. Right, but that's because he's promoting a movie about strippers. Right, right. If he were just out there promoting any other movie or if he were a singer. I don't or... think he has a shirt. <laughs> no, that's that's McConaughey. Any, that's okay. Any shirts. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was reading Daria's diary. Oh, so <laughs> we we've solved nothing necessarily, but it no, but uh, it's a good article to yeah. read. It's a good thing to say, especially in the wake of something. And it's something I don't want to get into the podcast, but I will mention it. I think everybody should read it. The recent Runaways article, oh, and, yeah. and and how that's blown up, Oof. and how it is. Uh, honestly, I'm sorry to like. It's not good reporting per se it's mm-hmm. it's solid fact collecting but not and, and and it caused all the problems that you would expect to cause from that article i mean jessica hopper interviewed the guy who wrote the article not the victim like and and that this that i think plays into this a little because it's how we treat mm-hmm. like well it's gonna make like money like if you do something like that, which is, it's horrible. Um, I've only seen the headlines, but it looked a little troublesome. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it's, it's allegations um, about a very serious crimes and uh, it has devolved because that piece wasn't airtight uh, into a, he said, she said. Mm. And when you're talking about rape, or any any like violent anything like that, or even just sexism, like you don't put that out in the like have your shit locked down before you put it out there. So, um, speaking of Rolling Stone, oh sorry, yeah, well no, and that, <laughs> yeah. and that's actually that's equatable, and there's yeah. there's other people like saying that it uh, it was actually you know we we were well aware of that before we did this, so like obviously not because you didn't right. like there's you, like 
yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I may share my thoughts later at some point, but there's, there's, uh, you know, he, he brought to light a very, very serious issue, uh, that is honestly, this is the mild version, what we're talking about here. Yeah. This is the mild version, but it's, where it leads right. is right. that article. It's and, funny and it's funny. And it hasn't changed and right. it hasn't changed in like 30, 40 years. Right. It's satire and it's effective in that it's trying to sound like the very thing it's imitating right. just with but, sort of names switched out. Uh but yeah, so check out that article and and, and I will put the link to all the uh stuff by uh Jason Trokus wrote the article for HuffPost about the runaways if you hadn't heard it. Uh but uh, yeah, man, we stepped in it. I, <laughs> like now, I'm like, should we do a serious podcast so much, right now? So much for lightnings. <laughs> no, um, so uh, check that out. Uh, you still actually, you know what? You can stream Neil Young on Pano. We don't know <laughs> on audio. Oh, really? I'll pull up a song right now. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Are you talking about the Monsanto years? Maybe. <laughs> I haven't maybe. heard all of it um, or any of it. You guys want to talk about Smolka? Sure. Okay, let's talk about Smolka. Did they do something this week? Random name generator from the honestly, uh, in an era where we are in surprise album land, uh, the most surprise album that ever happened, at least to me this year. Uh, talking about Wilco's Star Wars, uh, I, I will address this fact, uh, right up front, uh, to all the people, and there were a lot of them who texted, chatted, emailed me, and said, Holy shit, what, why is Wilco like know you so well? Uh, the name of the album is Star Wars, there's a cat on the cover. <laughs> There's at least 40 messages deep of that. And thank you, guys. And thank you, Wilco, for making this at least the cover, uh, especially for me. Um, we, we've had, what, like a few days to, to take this in, I think. Uh, in, and I was telling you, Patrick, that uh, Friday night, watched their uh, set at uh, Pitchfork. And it was uh, having shot Wilco five times having seen them many times uh this seems a little bit like a revitalized band uh i know where you're coming from but carrie like are you, how, how how what's your relationship to wilco what do I, you i have loved wilco for well before they were wilco i used to listen to uncle, uncle Tupelo Tupelo, absolutely a lot and got really disappointed in what jay farrar was doing with sunvolt after a while um, and I've had a love disappointment relationship with uh, with Wilco ever since then. But like Summer Teeth is probably one of my top five albums. It's it's a perfect album ever, it's and it's cheating because it's two. But it's uh, but I absolutely adore it, and I really like AM. And this mm-hmm. 
is, a, a, I agree, it's a reversion back to that. I, I, I've actually, I've seen Wilco maybe 10 times, and I've actually gotten up and left twice because they're just so effing boring, and I just yep. couldn't take it anymore. Um, I would be really interested to see what they're doing with this, but I've heard that, you know, they didn't play any song off this album at any of their no. prior um, concerts. But- they didn't play anything at Consequence of Sound. And then all of a sudden they're just like, surprise, here we go. Won't, right. this, won't this be fun? And and the uh, the Pitchfork Festival performance, they started out out playing Star Wars in its entirety. Right. And Greg Cott like, tweeted like, hey, people are leaving. Like People were just like, what? Because they hadn't heard it. Because they hadn't There's heard no it. There's no way yeah. they had heard it. Yeah. Um, yeah Which is too bad, but it's because they really do seem to be showing an incredible amount of energy after – Basically a ten-year kind of snoot. I mean, I the, I really liked parts of Sky Blue Sky. Uh, the whole of I was really disappointed in, and I was too. And which is interesting um, because that that's held up as uh, people who I it's just this will dovetail nicely as into our discussion of like what type of Jason Isbell fan you are, mm-hmm. uh, because. Um, were we going to have was, that conversation? It, well, we were last week. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's... it's There are people that hold that album up as like, oh my God, this is perfection. This is what they have perfected. Like, what the the Wilco should be or whatnot. Yeah. And to me, it was um, high wankery. And there were yeah. some... And it was just like the last album. I can play a guitar and I can play it for ten whole minutes. Watch right. this. And it, and it missed the... I think... Uh, what drew people to Wilco in the first place, which I'll try to drill down on. Uh, but Patrick, I mean, you, you you look like you're you're ready to speak here. Um. Oh shit! So, sorry. No, it's good. It's good. It's a side soundtrack. Uh, well, full disclosure, I'm wearing a Jeff Tweedy shirt, and I just went to the Indeed. Wilco festival for the third time, so. Whether I'm objective or not is up for debate. Um, I can be objective about the last few albums. Um, I do think Wilco the album is maybe half of a good album. And I think that The Whole Love has maybe like four or five too many songs on it. But I do well, think... Well, that's every album for you. Yeah, it is. I do. I think that... Um, I think the last two albums are good, but I, 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 I do agree with the theory and the thinking that if you take the being there summer teeth yankee hotel foxtrot uh a ghost is born run and you say you compare everything else they've done to those four mm-hmm. albums i don't think any of them really get there i really like sky blue sky and i really like i do too uh i like the whole love for the most part but i don't think any of them really get there i'm not necessarily saying this album gets there but i so i get what you're saying i've never walked out of a wilco concert although i've been I went to one in Burlington, Vermont once where Jeff was just in the worst mood. Yep. And I felt sort of like walking out. Um, so. Yeah, I went to one where he came, in, came out in his pajamas. Yeah. And it was kind of like, <laughs> are you back on the drugs? Or? <laughs> so. Maybe you should start. So I guess what I would put in your head is I, I think the two debates I've been having about this band before this showed up in the ether yeah. uh, is where to from here because I think the last two albums sort of sound like 
In the way that Mule Variations sounded like a Tom Waits greatest hit album, which I really love Mule Variations, but it sounded like all the different things he had done. Right. Whole right. Love and uh, Wilco, the album sound like sort of like, well, we've got sort of a prog rock song and we've got sort of a country pop song mm. and we've got sort of a romantic song and we've got sort of a political folk guitar song. And, you know, it had the different palettes in there, but it, it didn't have a real energy to it. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're all getting at is that this feels like it's got a different energy that none of us have really heard before from them. No, I think, I, I think we have heard it before. I think well, it's, it's and it's pared down into manageable portions where you don't. I mean, they keep saying, "Oh, it's shorter by ten minutes." Well, he doesn't have a ten, you know ten minutes of ambient noise on any of the songs, so that definitely yeah helps. Um, it's 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 parsed down, it's digestible, and it's just really good songwriting and everything is tight and energetic and and great and also i think uh like a, a big problem i had in, in approaching something like the whole love or wilco the album um was that all of a sudden at that point wilco was the big thing mm -hmm. you know i mean i i still contend to this day yankee hotel foxtrot does not hold up uh I think it's a very specific time and place, yeah. and if you if you heard it, then you're always going to associate those memories with that. And uh, but I never ever reach for that album. Um, but when those after uh, Sky Blue Sky specifically, all of a sudden they were they were the biggest thing, and I don't know if it was pressure to like to build on that to like you know do something or they or maybe they just don't give a fuck or whatever but and we're experimenting because there are parts of the whole love that fold into this mm -hmm. the power pop on display on the whole love is like that they're they're a great band they can do that and it you takes mean, a like great i might right yeah right um and there's there's notes of that in in here but where they for me at least were always at their best when when they were like raw and ragged and and seemingly off the cuff even if even if they like weren't i mean there there is a there's a a soul to summer teeth but summer teeth is a studio noodling album i mean bennett and and tweety almost yeah I, I agree with that but it's also studio. it's also a coming off a record like being there it's also very much like it, we're just doing this, and oh hey, did you happen to stop in? Right. Uh, most importantly, though, I think I think uh, the last two albums sounded like it was Jeff Tweedy and the band, mm -hmm. and this sounds like the band. That I agree with. I feel like there was. I'm not saying there was an input from the band on the previous two, but I feel like especially Nels and I would say Glenn. Yeah, Kochi, the drummer, had a lot more to do with how this, what what we got in our hands sounded. I feel like there might be versions of the whole love that sound like this, but then they oh, got turned into something else by Pat and Jeff, Pat Sansone, who's sort of like a quasi-producer for them. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Pat Sansone, I think this song, I want to play Pickled Ginger, because there's a thing on, on this where you know that he is doing his windmills yeah. on that so uh, <laughs> let's hear uh, this is Pickled Ginger of Wilco's Star Wars Alone in the zone of the side No one gives us a good side I'll never let you ride I'll never bet you don't know I saw my this in the night I'll never let it show when I'm doing the drive 
When no one gets a zig to the side All right, so pickled ginger, uh, that that actually starts off like noise and then turns into this like like perfect classic rock song where you have your bar chord hits and you're just like yeah, and then before it can go back off into anything else, it just stops. And it sounds like someone just pulled the plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the is is that punk energy? Do you guys think? Is that I mean what? <laughs> but I mean well, no, I mean it, it is. That is the most vital thing they've created in, like, say, a decade. Right, and I do, I do wonder if there is an alternate version of that that song and several other ones on here that does just kind of splay out into God knows where, and that this one actually has more editing, where somebody did say, Poop, mm-hmm. just pulled the plug out and said, "That's enough of that song," and that's going to be a perfect ending, and it is. Interesting. So, so you think that maybe they just had somebody in there who was like, "I'm going to edit you now." And I don't. I mean, they, it could be. Sell, hopefully, they they've they're doing it themselves because they're doing it like on the live versions of it. I only saw two quick snippets over the weekend because they've only been doing this for yeah. two days. But um, they don't seem to be doing you know jam band nonsense on stage. They do seem to be kind of keeping close to the right to the to the the stand the, the, the recorded versions they, they actually are doing too a uh, a thing that they've always done is they match the um timber is the wrong word but they they have a a, a certain like ennui to like their album like an album is this an album is this an album is this mm-hmm. and then they bring all the other songs up to that right which is why the pitchfork set was fucking phenomenal because if this is like half noise rock and, and thrashing around, and all of a sudden you get a song like uh, you know, Monday in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I Got You uh, mm-hmm. in there, and it's like cranked up, and they're just like, we are ready to go and stuff. Uh, I say and stuff too much, and I gotta start <laughs> every damn podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm floored. Like I, I have had checked out on Wilco. I just been like the but, but you liked Suki Ray. I did like Suki Ray. Mm-hmm. And I like Suki Ray for the exact reason that this album is good because it showed a uh like I said, the the raggedness of Tweety's songwriting and of who he was playing with and, and, and a willingness to not make 
not round the edges. Just let them be rough mm-hmm. and and go through with it. But uh, but like you know, we saw in Newport, like shot it, and then we all went out to the pier. He's like, yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> it just <laughs> it's 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 fascinating. I think it makes a tremendous difference about whether Tweedy's on or whether he's off when you see him live. Uh-huh. Um, because I've seen some tremendous shows yeah. that they've put on and other times he shows up and you're, I mean, your heart breaks for him. It is like Patrick was saying that, you know, if you come to this album with some nervousness, it's like seeing a friend in a play. Yeah. It's a, the, the same thing where it's like, I just feel like I've listened to them for so long and I know so much. <laughs> also kind of ties into the first thing. If you know about someone's background and someone's history, yeah. and you know what he's gone through already and then what he's been going through with his family life. It's like, you just, you're like, Oh, please let it be good. Um, but then when he comes out on stage and he's mopey and slurring his words, you're just like, I can't watch this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about Lucifer? I have other notes. Yeah, let's talk about Lucifer and then and then and then, and then move on to okay. uh, the next album. But, yeah, because I could talk but, about this but, for about an but, hour. But, but yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, this could be an entire podcast. But because uh, we were going to do a Wilco podcast, which we still probably will now. Now like that five years from now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so in, inform the crowd about Lucifer. Um, well, when we were down here Thursday night post Isabel Musgrave's podcast you were playing pieces of this even during the breaks and even the snippets I was hearing and I didn't really get a chance to fully absorb it honestly and I, I, maybe the first four songs I absorbed part of Friday and then I couldn't do much with it yesterday and then I listened to it a bunch this morning the first thought I had was this sounds like a Lucifer album mm-hmm. and Lucifer was sort of an outgrowth of Jim O'Rourke working with Tweedy and Wilco or the old version of Wilco on yeah. Yankee Hotel and A Ghost is Born and Jim O'Rourke is responsible really for finding Glenn Kochi and sort of putting him in yeah. the mix with this band. And so Lucifer was just the three of them. And it was this, although I think the first Lucifer album has other people playing on it, if I'm not mistaken. So Lucifer did two albums, two EPs. One was called Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Its most famous composition that is still a concert staple is now referred to as Laminated Cat, yeah. sometimes referred to as Not for the Season, that has lyrics from another song by Wilco, but... And so Jim O'Rourke was the guy who got Tweety to play around with random random word generation um, and putting strange sentences yeah. together and things like it, that. It, it was it was the super shaggy Wilco. Yeah, and it's it's that's what I mean. It's throwaway, it's like it's not that interested in melody, usually, what Lucifer does. I mean, there can be melody to it and some repetition, but a well, lot of it is Well, Cat is like, they paved the way for spiders. Yeah, exactly. For, and so... They paved the way, honestly, for the entire Ghost is Born album. Right. I feel like Lucifer was sort of like Tweety's outside Wilco music therapy. Um, and I really loved both the original EP, Lucifer, mm-hmm. and... Um, Born Again in the USA, which is a hilarious <laughs> album title. and has some really good songs on it. Um... But both of them are only about four, five, six songs. Both of them have some weird, like, seven, eight-minute, ten songs on them. Um, both of them are very um, n- sometimes real crowdy, proggy, not interested in melody. Sometimes when they are interested in melody, they'll give you melody, and then they'll pull it back and throw a bunch of noise at you and then bring the melody back, just like some of these songs do um, yeah. in a really interesting way. So so I think that maybe half of this album, it's almost it sounds to me as someone who... It's a real Wilco dork. It sounds to me like um, he just said, well, we were thinking about making a new Lucifer album because there has been some discussion about that in interviews. And why not, you know, I'm not going to find a better set of musicians. Why don't I just do this with yeah. these guys? 
Maybe Jim O'Rourke was like touring Japan or something. But um, certainly... Jim O'Rourke just put out a new album. He did. Yeah, but yeah. certainly this is the most Nels Klein influence on songwriting that I've ever heard the yeah. band have. And I think that's I think that's a good thing. Um, because instead of just yeah. setting aside, here's two minutes for him to play a solo, which some people think is boring... He's actually in the mix. I don't know why you're pointing at playing, me. <laughs> playing pieces around, moving things around in a really cool way. The other thing it sounds to me, and I think maybe you disagree with me, but there are songs on here to me that do sound like uh, compositions for Suki Ray that he kind of reformatted into a Wilco songs. I think you, I mean, I mean, look, you satellites, <laughs> taste the ceiling, um, it, where it, do I begin, Mar- magnetized. I think those all have themes of marriage. Of of yeah. being attached to someone for the rest of your life, uh, things like that, of the pain and loss and suffering. The use of the word diamond light, which I think might even be a song on Suki Ray, is there a song called Diamond Something? Mm, can't anyway, remember. So I think that it's a mix of his compositions, and yes, they but clearly that, that, had some band involvement. That, yeah, but. but that's sort of presuming that like uh, people look at bands and be like, this is this immutable thing, and yeah. it's completely mutable. Right. It is whatever. You oh, want yeah. it, you're an artist. It's whatever you want to make it. So so yeah, did stuff leak? I mean, I this is not even like supposition. Did stuff from what he did with his son on yeah. Tweety leak into this? Of course it did. Well, he, by his own admission, he had a prolific writing spout when his right. wife had a cancer diagnosis because he was he was in serious mental pain, and so of yeah. course, yeah, and he probably wrote like he hasn't in a long time. So so of course, you take a couple of those good. You know, he, supposedly he had a hundred songs on file, and Suki Ray only had like twenty-one of them or something. So he probably took the ones yeah. he liked, and they played around with them and came up with the good stuff. So yeah. So where so, are you where, where are you gonna land on this? Patrick? I mean, <laughs> even before I'd heard it, I'd heard it. I was biased, so it's a stupid question. But I will say, having listened to it fully through about three times, and I gave it the car test on the way over here, I think it's really strong. I can say that. Over half the songs are pleasurable for me. And I think <laughs> you said, Carrie, I think you said it off mic, that um, uh, Taste the Ceiling kind of sounds like a Summer Teeth mm-hmm. type yeah, of song. It does. There is a. a well, th- there's some gorgeous, like, Summer Teeth flourishes in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, you can't, and you shouldn't repeat Summer Teeth ever. Like, right. it just is a thing. But when you can, like, call back to that. Right. It's like, oh. Well, and you were talking about. Um, like not being able to divorce um, Yankee Foxtrot with how where you were at that time. Right. It's kind of like I love Summer Teeth, and so if this evokes a little bit of it, I get you know thrown back to when yeah. I first heard that album, yeah. and yeah, it's just right. So let me here's my parting shot. Obviously, I'm a buy, but the one thing that's interesting, I haven't quite come to a final landing on this, and you know this a little bit, Kevin, but my my buddy and I who who we go to the Wilco Festival every other mm-hmm. year. We have a running theory. I don't think it's in the write-up we did, the draft write-up we did, but we have a running theory that the loss of Jay Bennett is a bigger, and I'm not the only person who's ever said this, it's a bigger loss than people realize. Obviously, Nels Klein and Jim O'Rourke yeah. and Glenn Kochi are all great musicians and great people and have informed the Wilco sound in a good way, but I don't feel like some of the songwriting or the yin to the yang, mm-hmm. the push and the pull of what went on between Tweedy and Bennett has been there in a while. And I feel like maybe we're getting back to something like that here because I feel like the rest of the band had more of a voice. If if you wanted to be this. wildly speculative, yeah. I, w- I would one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. I, I I think, uh, and that's what I that's why I said 
the other two albums where it was like Tweety and the band. Right. And look, Tweety was always in control. That's right. why Uncle Tupelo broke up is right. because yeah. Jay Farrar was like, no, I'm in control. And they're like, well, we can't both be in control. <laughs> and so, I mean, and that's why bands break up. Right. Um, and you have your vision and stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, Bennett pushed him and you have, uh, I, I will say, Summer Teeth as the best record of that, the culmination uh, of that. I, I don't include, again, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot doesn't hold up for me, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, and, and yeah, this is, that that's the spirit that I'm talking about getting back to. Mm-hmm. It has a wildness and an energy that I don't, yep. I haven't heard in a while. Yep. Gary? Bye. Yeah? Just yeah. straight up? Yeah. Right. I'll buy it twice. <laughs> Just so I have a full hour. Japanese import, the whole nine. All of it. Oh, All God, of it. is there going to be a Japanese import? Uh, Impor- imported yeah. from the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm also going to buy it. I I am, uh, again, I mean, we're sitting in a basement that has, let's say, one, two Wilco posters. There's uh, a couple other Wilco things some hidden around here. Just so you know, if I die, you get my Wilco posters as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you can't know, have mine. As, as a, <laughs> all right. Uh, as, as a Wilco fan, I, I have, you know, I, I sort of, sad because i was like bands move on and bands get older and bands like do this thing and like and madeline actually is the biggest look of hand but she loves the whole love Ooh. and so we can share that you know bond right. but it's like you know and even daria like watching the pitchfork thing was just like i i wanted to see this band for 10 years mm-hmm. um if i don't know what happened uh, and honestly i do not fucking care. Uh, if if you are a Wilco fan already, uh, you know this is like like a, a present. I'm just like okay, we, we went off here for a little while, and, and we're gonna do this. And if you're not, it's probably not gonna get you in Wilco. But who fucking cares? Like <laughs> like you know, it's out there, and you can listen to it, and you should enjoy Summer Teeth and all this stuff. And but you know. So you've ended the segment, but I'm going to ask a question anyway. So I was trying to figure out on the way over here, who who do they sound? What is the biggest influence here? Because when you think about like A Ghost is Born, it's, right a, it's now? kind of like a Neil Young album. Well, this is actually right. what I was, what I was yeah, getting yeah. to before I paused because of bourbon. Right. Um, <laughs> um, they sound like Wilco. Ah. All right. There are great bands. I'll take it. No, there are, there are great bands and there are bands. And Wilco is a great man, and there's nobody that sounds like them, and there's nobody that ever will. And that is because it, it, it's just a singular thing. So. I'm not going to say anything better than that. So a triple buy it on the Wilco.
All right, so that is eventually from uh, Australia's, or actually just Kevin Parker's, <laughs> uh, Tame Impala's new album, Currents, uh, came out last week, if you were paying attention. The, the Friday releases have sort of like messed us up here. Because mm. like, do you release your podcast on Tuesday or do you release it on Friday? Right. Nobody will listen to it. We should say great week for music. Uh, yeah. That was my fantastic Isabel, Wilco, Tame Impala. Yeah. The Casey Musgraves came out the week before, right? A month before. A month before. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We've been sitting on that, but, you know. Sure. You but have. you don't think that's... You have. You don't, you don't think that's, that's a great... something else. The Ratatat album came out Friday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for those... Uh, I can't imagine that you're listening to this podcast and are not familiar with Tame Impala, but fill you in. Just in case your mother's just, also listening. Yes, just in case your mother's also listening. Uh, it's basically a uh, one-man band. Um, it says, sometimes it's fronted by, it is Kevin Parker. Uh, he is an Australian guy. Uh, would you say enjoy the, the uh, psychedelics? I would say that he probably, without without any actual knowledge... I believe that allegations of him mm. enjoying psychedelics would not be unfounded. I would say having, and we were talking about this earlier, having interviewed Pond, which is the, uh, which is right. the, which is two members were in Tame Impala, and that is the interview that shall not be aired. Right. Uh, I would say it's guaranteed he enjoys the psychedelics. Well, um, you're you're the that's that's why you invite lawyers to go to the podcast with you because yeah. you can say it, but you know that it is not true. You're right, saying right, it as a right. joke. So, so allegedly, yeah, st- allegedly, st- started off as all good bands do. He's recording stuff on his four track. He's doing all this stuff, and then uh, in what was it? Oh man, two thousand eleven. Is it that long ago? Lonerism? No, 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 the, the no, 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 no. The, the first, first album. album. First album. Um, I believe two thousand ten. Oh my god! I guess two thousand ten. Uh, so two thousand ten uh, released Inner Speaker, which was. Uh, if Andre were here, he would concur. <laughs> like a a stoner bros dream, it was it was it's made for a van. <laughs> it was made for a van. It was made for a tiny screen. Putting that old like eighties like uh, sort of like uh, vector art that just flashes to the music and stuff. Yep, and that which they hilariously continued to have until. Uh, Past the nine thirty club show, they played the same size screen, right? Because so. they, they they were at the black. That, that was, they actually did that for lonerism also. They played yeah, that's bla- what I'm saying. Then they played the black cat with this tiny stage set, which and worked then, because it filled up which the whole was stage. Perfect. And then they did the exact same one, and it just looked mm-hmm. like cartoonish at yeah, the nine thirty. Yeah, it was amazing. So, <laughs> but it was still a great set. Apparently, uh, and Madeline actually uh, texted me while the show was going on. She's like, they they made the screen bigger. <laughs> 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 was endlessly funny, um, but at, at any point, um, the uh, the first album uh, from them was sort of a high point uh, in uh, this minor like stoner rock movement that is uh, taking place around then. He came back with Lonerism, which was praised and as as a like monument of production or whatnot. I, I, I don't. It, it got a lot of nods for like best album of the it, year. It, it very much did. It was, it was produced by the same guy who does the Flaming Lips. Right. Uh, I worked on with tell. that. Uh, I did not necessarily take to that. I don't think you did either, Patrick. <coughs> Overrated. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, so, I not surprisingly. Was I a little hot in the mic re- there? Really right, right, right. 
So, so, and I joked in the uh, or in the intro when we were talking about this is like reviews were written about this. It's like somewhere along the line, Kevin Parker became a a absolute celebrity, and his Tame Impala became a celebrity thing. That is one of those untouchable things in music. Um, you know, there were some honestly like great parts to uh, Lonerism, mm-hmm. specifically El- uh, Elephant, mm-hmm. which he yeah. he said in an interview like. Actually like paid for paid for his is, house. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like it's only going backwards. Yes, apocalypse oh. dreams. But that still retains some of his trademark uh, stonerizy sure. guitars and whatnot. Uh, now we are here uh, with Currents, and uh, I don't know. Has Kevin Parker been hanging out with the Bee Gees? Naysayer. Huh? He's been hanging out with Naysayer. Naysayer. Yeah, there's a lot of, and, and I know that I was, uh, Naysayer's album from a couple years ago, I think I was the only one that liked any of it, um, and I liked about four songs on it. I really like this album. I know there will be uh, different viewpoints expressed within the next 20 <laughs> minutes. Um, it took me a long time to kind of get my head wrapped around Lonerism, and I was not a huge proponent when it first came out, um, but over the course of six months of coming back to it, I love it um and this is a completely different sound and i don't care i don't think that this is as good an album i don't think it has Mm -hmm. the um cohesion and i Mm -hmm. don't think it shows the i won't say genius but it doesn't show the quality you shouldn't say genius i know i shouldn't i'm not working at the apple store so i'm not allowed to say (laughs) the word genius um we're not talking about kanye either all right (laughs) (laughs) the doe-eyed kanye west uh He and his wife and his two children are the only things that matter to him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing I, I like about this is I, you know, it, it it is just completely ripping off a lot of stuff that I like. And I don't really mind because um, I think he does it in an interesting right. way. Um, it's got a lot of Depeche Mode in it. It's <laughs> got a lot of um, Daft Punk in it. It's got a lot of the, good, the better stuff from Naysayer that I like. Um like Mike Snow, all, you know, all the electronic bullshit that I like. Yeah. Um, Jamiroquai. <laughs> it, it has a lot of Jamiroquai. I like Jamiroquai. A lot of Jamiroquai. I actually love Jamiroquai. But um, it's Could, it took me a while to get around some of the songs, and then I just started to really just enjoy the shit out of all of it. Some of the lyrics are absurd. Um, I know that. So, uh, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, the less I know, the better. Is hey, there's a bunch of shit that rhymes, and <laughs> right. I'm just gonna say it all in a row. So let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> there is there is a thing like like indie rock is is held up as which this is like the indiest of the indie rock. Right? Can we can we go from that assumption, lawyers? Right? Like, okay. Yes, we can. Got a nine point three on Pitchfork. Right. You, you, are, so, so, you so, are not out of line, sir. Proceed. Proceed. Right. I want to see where this goes, counselor. So, so, so I'm going to give you a little bit of leeway. A little bit of leeway. But yeah. I have my eye on you. <laughs> right. So, so indie rock is this thing that is the uh, for people. It, it's a form of rebellion. It's like I don't necessarily like. Uh, the the stuff that like Christina Aguilera is putting out or Beyonce is putting out, mm-hmm. and I want to be a little more edgy. Um, but I'm really afraid to go too far. Correct. Down. Yes. So that's where I'm going <laughs> with this. Is that Pitchfork has been built on this right. idea? Um, it's a gateway drug. And, and and I realized this 
this is just a random like hypothesis that I came up with in the grocery store today. Um, I, I was in the <laughs> hippie ever cucumbers. No, the, the yes market, this organic market by our house, and I was down oh, there. Yes, is good. Yeah, yeah, and they were playing that train song, and a guy who is like got like piercings through here and here and here, like is singing along to like yeah, soul sister. I get it. Which honestly is a weirdly misogynistic song, but that's not wow. this podcast, right? But my point is, is that like that's not even that's not even indie rock but that is oh God, like no. that's just there's <laughs> there's not much difference between what's going on on this album between what like are I, you comparing this to train i am really? comparing to train is that okay now i see where you're going <laughs> i'm i'm overruling i have a different no. comparison <laughs> there's but, this there's this guy named julian casablancas yes yes who put out this album called phrases for the young in yeah, 2009 yeah yeah. Pretty similar idea. Yeah. Am I right? No yeah. guitars, synth, bass, maybe a drum in there. Right. It's an okay album. Right. Some okay. hand, does it have hand claps? If it doesn't have but those hand, hand claps, claps are so shiny and overproduced that they sound like metal hands clapping together. They're like Daft Punk robot yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but so, in the discussion of Tame Impala, when we or we're talking about like the Pitchfork review and stuff, like for example, the author of that, and this is the second podcast in a row, be like. Fuck you, guy. I wrote that review because this, in this case, probably a moron. Said he's one of no, allegedly. no. Wait, wait, wait. Alleged till, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> wait till I say. Wait till I say what is it? And I'm paraphrasing. He said, "Can we all just agree that Kevin Parker is uh, one of the greatest rock and roll bass players of all time?" Right. No, yeah, we that, can no, never we agree on that. You can't. You're not going to start from that presumption. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's the take that, like. Uh, Pitchfork like reviewing it is right. is coming out and that and that's that, I think that's the space that I'm still trying to wrap my head around where uh, Tame Impala entered. It should be in a van, yeah. Like that that should be the crowd. Where was the jump to this mass appeal, and what caused? Well, before it? she, I, I, you I should answer this. But before you said it, I think even Tame Impala might be a little shocked. I no, I yeah yeah don't yeah, you yeah, think? yeah yeah yeah. His yeah. his face on everything is just like. Huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I agree that he seems kind of because I, I don't think that he's driving this right. this boat. It's um, and I I, I am I was kind of curious as to why lonerism seemed to just kind of take off like it did. Right. I mean, you know, it basically became a mainstream album um, for no discernible reason because it did, it was a great album and had amazing songs on it, but it didn't sound anything like Taylor Smith. Whoever she may be, um, <laughs> Steve. Steve, Chris Gaines' version Chris of Taylor Gaines, right. for those for keeping exactly. up at home. Exactly, um, but on this, this is obviously a, a sea change. Um, it doesn't, but I don't know why. I just love it. But one thing that I noticed when I was reading, like just reading through some of the reviews, um, is that the reviewers seem like they're not crazy about it, but they still give it like an A minus. It's like oh, or this, an a is, plus. this is this like... is right, but it's but it's it's everything is this is really uh, different than where he was before, and it goes back to how brilliant lonerism is, mm -hmm. and then it's like this new thing is completely different. Oh, and it's also good. A plus, a minus. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The Greg Cottett review that I read this morning was like, there's a lot of filler on here. There's a couple songs. One of them could be a Daft Punk house hit. There's a few other good songs. Three Which, out of four I, stars, and I was like. 
there's a lot of filler and three good songs. Like, what? It's right. very odd. And one of them is a rip-off. It doesn't seem like he actually enjoyed it. Well, exactly. And that's, yeah. that, that's what I noticed with but the I number of them. But I haven't listened to him talk about it. it. This, yeah. is getting, this is getting into, like, a sort of meta conversation. And, uh, and I'll bring it, like, double meta. Like, a lot of the narrative about this. Is, Are you going to say if Kevin Parker were a woman? No, oh, no, sorry. but we will get to that song. But a lot, oh, of, the, he has a, long, a lot of what has been written about he has, this. Has the, the, the brunette, slim-hipped Kevin Parker. He's very skinny. You're joking. But a lot of what has been written about this is that it is about his breakup with uh, Mariana of Mariana and the Diamonds. Mm-hmm. Or Marina. Isn't he just Jared Leto with blonde hair? Whoa. <laughs> uh, Leto. Yeah. Leto? Jared Leto. Yeah. Um, but... you. Yeah, it's it's like you said. It's like it's like they, they they listen to it and and think that it's okay, and then give it an E minus. Like, like yeah, it, I, it's I okay. That kind of consistently. Like, so I, I don't know if it's a, a matter of access that people are like they don't want to get shut out. Although me personally, I'm I'm fine getting shut out with Tim. I mean, we we factually chose not to cover the Tim Paula show. Well, it's a lack of stage, but um. yeah, but it's it's weird because I am uh, I can listen to this, and I don't know if you'll appreciate this, but I know there's sort of shit that you will carry. Uh, you know, if they made a reboot of Xanadu, and right. this was- <laughs> <laughs> so wait, I want to know something, Carrie, before you go further, because I can tell but you. But you know what? I, you know because I. <laughs> yes. I I don't hate this album. I don't love this album. I can tell you why I don't like certain things in this album. So tell me what it is that you like, because I have not listened to it enough, as nearly as um, much as you probably. Well, let's 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 pause. You wanna, that. You're gonna play a song. Yeah. You, can, you think about yeah. the answer. Okay. We're gonna listen to "Cause uh, I'm a Man." All right. <laughs> <laughs>
the um, some of the riffs on that are very um, evocative of what I like Xanadu? about <laughs> of Xanadu, <laughs> but also what I like about the um, Patrick Wilson album. Patrick Watson. Patrick Watson. Sorry, God, but what that is was, wrong with that's me? That's why I want you to explain what you like. Interesting. Wait, wait, stop. That, Before you go, wait, wait, exactly wait, Patrick wait, Watson. wait. Time out. Before you go further, okay. Because when I was listening to this this morning, I thought she really likes the Patrick Watson album. Mm-hmm. I like the Patrick Watson album more than I like this. Right. Ooh, compare and contrast. Right. I think that the Patrick Watson album shows much more finesse, much more sustainability. I will come back to that Patrick Watson album. Yeah. Again and again and again. This is one that this is my summer fluff album, <laughs> and I can't really pinpoint why I why I like it. And uh, one of the things that I we were talking about during the break is. For the same reason that I read the reviews, and they seem kind of negative, but they give it a good review, I kind of feel the same way. There are a lot of things that I can point to that I don't like or that I shouldn't like, but yet this album just, it it is warm, it is friendly, it has a lot of beat has a lot of melodies to it that I find really pleasing. I like to run, do extra, you really I like feel to, it's warm? See, that that's my problem with it, it's, it's not, it's like, it's, it's, there's zero personality but it's but the but the 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 simple melodies and the the easiness of mm-hmm. of listening to this it's it doesn't keep you like lonerism it's like i said it took me a few months to really just appreciate the shit out of that album and that yeah. is one that i if if Three years from now, if I'm in the mood to listen to Tame Impala, I'm going to listen to Lonerism. I'm not going to listen to this. But if I want like an individual running song, I'm going to listen to one or two things off of this because I still listen to individual songs. I listen to Depeche Mode when I run. I mean, it's it. But that's this is it's even though the lyrics are a lot of drive and when you walk and but when it's kids Depeche Depeche Mode Mode was a band in the (laughs) 80s and they rocked (laughs) they didn't um but they we're not gonna have a Depeche Mode uh, argument but when are we having Depeche cast I'm sorry go ahead (laughs) we had one it was in 1987 Patrick I think (laughs) Carrie's just telling you to enjoy the silence I know it's fine I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry Uh, go ahead go ahead We are not starting that. <laughs> There's not enough bourbon left in there for us to start yeah. <laughs> start the quote off. Um, but the it is hard for me to define um, what draws me in on this. the The lyrics I find kind of insipid on some of the songs, <laughs> um, ridiculously insipid on some of the songs. But uh, yeah. but overall, it's, you know, the the subject matter is a lot of them are about breaking up. A lot of the songs are about I'm getting older and we all need to move on and I need to stop being so ragey, even though mm-hmm. he's like the opposite of ragey. Um, but I still find it to be a warm and inviting and um, it's like it's something he wants you to listen to versus right. I'm going to put this out there and if you think it's good, then good for you. Um, I don't really know how to define it. I just I do think that the the melodies are pleasant. Um, I think that the <laughs> are pleasant. That sounds so stupid. Um, I, it's hard to define why I like it, and that's I think probably one of the things that the reviewers well, have problems pop, with as well. It's what I was talking about, like pop music, like or indie rock, where it's gone. I mean, this is pop. No, oh, it is. It's a total this pop. is this is pop music. This is there's nothing dangerous. There's nothing. Uh, Let it happen is. Probably the well, most that, infectious that's, song I've heard in four so, years. So that's the one song on this album that I actually think, uh, you know, gets up in the in the, the more like cinematic stuff. And I want to see the sci-fi movie that mm-hmm. can, it plays. But 
I'd feel like well, uh, it'll be a landscape out of a honestly uh, like flaming lips. And, and I'm not saying this to give lip service does, to anybody. It does sound like the soft bullet at the beginning, yes. right? To, I'm not. I'm not to give lip service to anybody like in the DC community, but people like Louis Weeks and Chad from Beauty Pill mm-hmm. are doing that exact thing, like so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, and and in fact, like they rated this like beyond the Beauty Pill album. Right. They they would they would not review Louis' album. Oh, that's and too bad because that is fantastic. That album's magic, and it, no, it is. And this is the look on you can't, radio <laughs> listeners. You can't see the look on Kevin's face when he said that, but it matches the words. <laughs> it's you just know, magic. And so when I see people like holding this up and and so and listening to that song, that song will get me into this album. But at, uh, what's the at fifty-two minutes? Like I need more than right. But eight half minutes. Of, but half of that is there's this whole ode to Daft Punk four minutes in the middle of Let It Happen that does not need to be there. Um, oh, I like that part though. But th- but that you song know, that they song pull needs the mix back and which, then right. But that song which, needs to way, be put we're, into two we're parts. already into the era of people writing about like this is what. Uh, Daft Punk wishes they had done on Random Access Memories. Disagree. Which mm. is like. Yeah, that's you're sad. an idiot. Yeah, yeah, that's like if that came out, of, you're an idiot. Disagree. That's yeah. Unsubscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Un- what? Un- unfriend. Unlike, I'm not even on Facebook. Unfriend. unfriend. I don't know. What uh, is there an Instagram thing? Like I don't know. On Instagram, I think. What's Snapchat. <laughs> Unsnap. Snap. Okay. Just snap. Yeah. So Reverse. yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's that 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 is that's absurd um, to go that far. Uh, yeah, but, but that's that's where that's what that, but that I think it's almost like he's honestly, untouchable. I, you can't, you honestly, can't th- disagree with anything he does, right? And that's why I think we're talking about this right. because, like, to me, it's actually a boring album. I don't just always like talking about boring mm-hmm. albums, but it, it this is a thing that's in the space we operate in. And it's a huge part of the space you right. operate in. It's not just, I mean, there's a bazillion boring albums that come out a year, yeah. but they're not held up on every right. single universal site as this is what we need to listen to this year. Are you referring to Casey Musgraves? Oh, sorry. Oh. I love that <laughs> I'm album. I'm just giving you The only time. thing that I can say negative about this Tame Impala album <laughs> is that it made me stop listening to Casey Musgraves oh, so that I could review all right, all right, it. So all right, I'm how's sorry, that for a sound sorry, like? No, sorry. I love that Casey Musgraves album. So let's, uh, let's start with Patrick again. Like, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, well, I think what you've said before is you appreciate that the podcast makes you rethink certain things. Mm-hmm. And thinking about this as a breakup album... Gives me a little bit more of a frame to maybe revisit parts of it that I was ready to write off. Right. Possibly half of it. <laughs> maybe. I think there's 20 minutes of things I can listen to. Maybe on here. even three quarters. Mm. Uh, I Ooh. liked like three songs. I think that. Which ones did you like? I don't like. I liked uh, the first one, Let It Happen. I like Because I'm a Man. There was one other one that I thought was all right. I like the talking one, kind of. Um, Listen but, to it again. It's it's no, I there could be some potential there. I think that my issue and Kevin and I were talking about this upstairs a little bit is everyone talks about what a great studio genius hermit yeah. this guy is. It just feels like he turned everything up clean to eleven and just mm-hmm. it's all at the same level yeah. in the mix. And that's why I think Let It Happen is really interesting. I like that part where he pulls the the bass and the synth way back and just gives you the drum in his voice and then pops it back up again. Because I feel like there's some variety. <laughs> For me, what the same, I feel, even though he took the guitars out, mostly, there's some guitar in here. And when when the guitars show up here, they feel really warm and inviting, which 
which I think is kind of an interesting choice. But I, what happens is everything at 11 all the time and the pace of it, I just get worn down. Like halfway through, I was on the elliptical today because I'm old and fat. And I, I was thinking, wow, this is a horrible workout album. Because <laughs> I was just, it just was like dragging me under the waves of de- like this slow <laughs> haranguing. It was a like, slow grind like, oh, to God, the bottom of the Two miles I an hour. I can't lift my one legs. One mile up. an hour. So, but I feel the same way about lonerism. And other than yeah. the song Elephant, even I'm only going backwards in Apocalypse Dreams, which are two of the songs I like on that album. Yeah. They're heavy. They're heavy yeah. songs. Everything has like all this weight on it, mm-hmm. which sometimes works. I just, if he would, he, they would break it up a little, I might be more interested. That's where I have a problem with it. I'm going to stream it. Um, I'm not totally ready to throw it away. I do think there's some interesting stuff in here. I don't think he's a great bass player necessarily, but I don't <laughs> play bass, so I don't know. But I do think that the sound of the bass... But you have ears. I do think yeah. that the big fat bass sound on some of these songs mm-hmm. is pretty good. My parting shot is there was one song in here where I wrote, Why Are You Trying to Remake a New Edition Song? <laughs> <laughs> and that song is... Wait, hang on, hang on. I gotta find it. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm Changing. Yeah. It just and there's also a weird harpsichord breakdown in there. So like yes. it's not like he's not trying stuff. <laughs> uh, but it, at one point I was like, well, is this Mr. Telephone man? Like what is happening here? So uh, I think it's an interesting idea and an interesting push. I just feel like if it had been half as short, which I say about every album that yeah. we review, and I do feel like if he had varied it up a little, I'd be more interested in it. I think that manufactured whimsy is um like throwing a harpsichord into the middle of a song is not necessarily where things need to be um the the part you're talking about on let on let it happen i just want to be clear i'm not talking about the sections where it fades and swims and then comes back Mm -hmm. um there are there's another section in the middle that's about two and a half minutes where it's you don't have any it's just bullshit and it needs mm. needs to come out oh, of there. after the cd it, skipping need, yeah it yeah, needs okay. to come out of there but like nangs has that the that and that's like one and a half minutes and it's just like here's some really cool noises and you can listen to these and then we're gonna start playing music again um i'm totally gonna buy it um because i just think it's i think it's a great um addition to my summer landscape yep. uh I think I've explained myself enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually going to pass. Wow. Uh, completely on this. I, I do like the single. And the reason I'm going to pass is is not the... Uh, we used to do this thing where, like... Uh, and Paul and I were talking about this. Here, like, you were back in, like, the early 20s episodes and stuff. And so last one was, like, 125. We're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we used to sing, borrowed headphones. Yeah, yeah. We used to sing where like you'd qualify every single like. But I'm gonna do this with it because somebody will have it, and somebody is like, I know I'll hear it. Right. I, yeah. I know I'll hear. Yeah. I, I I know uh, the one song I actually like. Let it happen. Um, oh, you're up. gonna hear that and continue to hear it. And, yeah, yeah. And, and you're busy, and you've got other stuff to li- like. Are well, you really gonna? Well, do that's more actually than, right. you know it's funny. Yeah. That's actually what I was gonna say, is that. Uh, there's nothing that is uh, offensive about this at all to me. In fact, like I mean, I'm a big fan of Bee Gees. I'm a huger fan of the Xanadu soundtrack. I've been trying Hol- to find time Hol-Notes. to watch fucking Xanadu for the past six months, and I can't. But um, That's not a must-see. 
It's. I'm sorry. I'm going to get kicked out of the basement. No, you're not. <laughs> that is not. Well, we're see. watching Better Off Dead. Yes, tonight. So maybe it'll t- be a tonight it will feature. be the Better Off Dead. Um, um but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's just something like. But it comes down to it's like I I, uh, I just don't have time. Yeah. For the if you maybe if you had roller skates. And Maybe you could get, if I and you could get through skates. your day faster, then you would have time to. Oh my god, I'm totally going to put on roller skates and listen to this album. But maybe you should. Maybe that'll do <laughs> it. You know, to be fair, I mean that's actually me and Daria's uh, test. For those like, of you that don't know, Xanadu is about a haunted <laughs> roller skating ring <laughs> with Olivia Newton John. With Olivia Newton John and, and Danny. And it's K. not haunted. It's it's the uh, Greek gods. It's full of fairies. What? <laughs> aren't they fairies or are they Greek gods? I haven't seen that. In Wait, ages. what are we talking about? Fairies in? Like, no, aren't they? Uh, never mind. <laughs> This is just devolved. Yeah, yeah, this is devolved. But anyways, that's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to pass. So uh, there you go. Uh, Tim Powell. <laughs> Currents. Sorry, Kevin Burger. <laughs> Let's talk about Wilco and uh, Tame Impala. Um, as we said last episode, we might have cut off in the edit. Like, you know, if you, <laughs> if you like it, don't listen to us. Like, we're just sitting, literally sitting in the basement consuming some beverages and stuff. But we have opinions. Um, you know, and, and generally these podcasts skew towards the bigger artists, but we also like to uh, shine the light on uh, up-and-comers or smaller tracks, stuff you might not have heard of this week. It's something that we didn't get to last week. It's a band called uh, Seagulls from North Carolina. Uh, they have a new EP out called You Can't See Me. And they have a song off that that is uh, called Long Gone. So what we're going to do is we're going to play some Long Gone here. The video is sort of where it's at. So we're going to post the video on the show notes. But uh, Carrie and, and Patrick, you're going to watch the video. Sure. So you guys are going to hear it. We're going to watch it, and then we're going to get a little reaction. Here you go.
Instead of seagulls long gone. Uh, Knowing your background, I completely understand why you were drawn to that because you know that that is 100% Athens. Yeah, it, this is like, I mean, they're from North Carolina, not Georgia, but that is, uh, Mitch Easter actually produced the album. Really? Yeah. I would never have guessed that. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, you can uh, look for their EP out, is out now, uh, You Can't See Me. Uh, Patrick, how did that make, make you feel? I would like to hear that again. I loved it. That was right. great. All I right. really enjoyed that. Well, the video enhanced it, but I even as a, if it were just audio, I still would have been. It's funny because on board. because in pitches that people send you, they're like, "Well, the the money shot is like the poking up over the produce and saying fuck you," but it really is like the money shot. We all giggled. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, it's got a really nice vibe to it. It's got a nice sound. It's excellent. Yeah. So seagulls long gone. Off the EP, you can't see me. Go out and get it now. I'm buying it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, you're jumping ahead, man. Oh, sorry. Uh, thank you guys for coming down to the basement uh, in the next few weeks. I don't know what we have. I know we're going to Iceland. Well, we're just waiting for you know more bands to just throw free things at us at Wait, six o'clock on a Thursday. We're going to Iceland. I'm going. to Oh, Iceland. okay, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm going. To something Iceland. I didn't know. And I'm fighting every urge to like take a recorder there and be like, well, I can just. I can make something of a podcast there. I'm not going to do that because I think you'll come back alone if you do that. Because aren't you going with the lady? If you do that, you'll be coming back alone. Um, if you would like to rate us or listen to us in iTunes, you can do that. You can write a review. I mean, seriously, somebody write a 500 word review of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody, I don't care if you're on the site or not. Just somebody, (laughs) give it, give it a star, and then write write a lengthy review. Uh, hopefully by the time this is out, Patrick, your work and your friends work on the solid sound. We'll see. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little? Uh, just sure. Say what it is. Two guys who grew up loving Wilco from the time of college uh, on, went to the solid sound festival for the third time, wrote up a little narrative about it. Uh, my friend Dave, who's, uh, makes part of his living as a writer uh, wrote it and I took the photographs yeah. as an amateur photographer and some of them turned out okay. So, um, yeah, we had fun. We tried to make it almost like a little travel log. It's, it's, uh, you know, but if you're into that, if you want to, f- it, it was designed to give you a sense of what it feels like to go to the festival more than anything. Cause everybody's covered, it, covered it this way from Sunday. We wanted to give it more of like a sense of what it feels like to actually go with yeah. a friend. That's, I, I think that's I started to put it together that's actually where it's going to turn out so alright uh, well, we'll talk to you in about seven short days I suppose uh, as always be good to your ears be better to your people and uh, see you later Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>